Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas, Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out, right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps, an audio postcard from the fabulous Las Vegas Strip. I'm Stephen Maggi. Las Vegas is a place to get the best. Whether it's food, cocktails, gaming, entertainment, whatever, Vegas prides itself in being the best. And when it comes to tattoos, Vegas again has the best. In this case, we're talking about Dirk Furman, once the host of Bad Ink on A&E and the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor in Vegas. And this October, we've begun an in-depth look at the Vegas good life. And in addition to food and drink, we also mean coffee. And nobody knows more about incredible coffee than Steve Mengigian, the man behind Zingerman's Coffee at the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. Of course, our regulars are back. Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com is here. Scott says the biggest puzzle Vegas faces in the future will be how to change the perception of being hit by hidden costs. Giddy Medrano of Flipping Vegas is back with Luxury Living, Vegas style. Today, Giddy discusses the importance of being honest when it comes to home inspections. Finally, Michael Shackelford, also known as the Wizard of Odds, is here. This week, Michael reminds you that your odds are best when you play craps as long as you stay away from long shot bets. With us today is one of our very favorite guests, Dirk Vermin. When you think of tattoos in Las Vegas, you think of Dirk. You might know him from the old reality show Bad Ink, but if you know him just from that, you really don't know him. He has the, the best tattoo parlor in town, and that's saying something around here, Pussycat Tattoo. Also, a rock and roll performer. Again, very surprising, very good. Dirk Vermin and the Hostile Talent, which I love that name. Well, Dirk, you know, it, we were just talking before, really, people that know you from the Bad Ink days and so forth, you were almost really playing, like you said last oh, time, you were playing you know, a part. I had to kind of rationalize what that even was, because uh, in the beginning, you think you're going into a reality show. And if you, if you don't know what reality is, it's not reality. Well, right. I didn't know that. I thought TV shows, you know, I'm not a big reality fan, I'm not watching, you know, Housewives of Beverly it, you, you think that there's some sort of um, reality because it's called reality TV. It's absolutely not. So they take an archetype. Basically, they look at what they fits neatly into a box. You know, mine was a uh, bad boy with the heart of gold, that kind of thing. And <laughs> right. they got the added benefit that I'm a father and a businessman, all that stuff. And I thought, okay, that's, that's not a horrible archetype to be. But then it became so convoluted and a little bit of scripting and none of it was real. I mean, not one second of that show was, was not uh, produced. Right. And the whole so, idea of you yeah. laughing at people. Never. Not, you would never do it, right? I've never laughed at anyone's tattoo ever. And, and now I see their tattoos. I'm like, I, I, the, 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 let me check that out before commercial. I just don't. I don't care. Well, you know, we had some people say they had heard of seeing you on that show, and then they went there. And the interesting part, they come back and go, he's not like that on the show. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you just, you get into, like, a, it's a character. And right. it's a character with my name in my shop. I actually have those children. And that's it. 
There's nothing else that was real. The rest of it was kind of manufactured into a, a character that you portray. It's very strange. Did you ever try to talk to them and say, look, you know, Every try, day, to di- huh? try it a different way because you're what, interesting just as you well, are. What, what I would do is after a take and then they'd give you the, the feeded line, you know. So you, it was, a lot of it was improv, but you're improving in a situation that's not real. Right. So you're just, you're acting. And it turns out I'm a hell of an actor because nothing, you know, which the irony here is I've never lied to anyone in my life except on basic cable for two years. You know, it's unreal. So. And yet people love you from that show, you know? Yeah, so. I, and, and I, I don't mean to be so bitter, but uh, it really, uh, I think ultimately, I mean, we can talk about a lot of things, but I think it, it, it led to the, some health issues that I had last year, just the, the stress of it and, and all of it. Uh, I'm no victim here, but... Uh, Man, if you if, talk a little yeah. about that because you look yeah, yeah. great now, and I know you know I follow you real closely online and so forth. And you had some scary times. Yeah, there. I had a stroke uh, Christmas Eve of uh, last year, year. So yeah, wow. I mean, so it, it affects my speech a little bit still, but but I mean, I had a stroke and that was uh, crazy. Should not have been here in the, in this capacity. Like I feel really really good, and my doctor said I can have a few drinks here and there which is kind of nice, um, but that's because I did the work after the stroke. But I had two TIAs, which are minor strokes. I yeah. had that in uh, before the hospital. Then I was taken to the emergency room, you know, short story, which you know, people have heard many times. But um, then I had the major stroke in the hospital. So, in the hospital. In the yeah. hospital. And if you, want, if you want to have a stroke, I'm not, not that I recommend right. this, but if you want to have a stroke, make sure it's 10 feet away from a nurse. Right. Because that saved my life. If I would have had that stroke... Uh, on the couch at two in the morning, I, I wouldn't be here. You didn't see that coming, though, no, right? Not at I mean, all. not at all. I mean, you know, my, my, my liver and lungs probably did because of my drinking and smoking, but <laughs> it, that's actually not what caused it. I had an arrhythmic heart, uh, but I had an arrhythmic heart uh, recently. I didn't have it. I had a full um, workup. Uh, what do you call it? A physical, physical yeah. a full physical in 2012, 2013, and everything was immaculate. But at that, that time, I was working out six days a week. Um, I was uh, eating healthy. I was doing a lot of good things for my health back then. I, ironically, this was a, uh, the year before the TV show. So at least when I got the TV show, I looked good, I felt good, right. and I was able to handle the stress that it was about to cause. But after the end of the show, then I was like, man, I stopped working out, I started smoking and drinking more, and I just was miserable, depressed, didn't want to be here, went back to therapy, and, and whiskey is also... a therapy you know and, and all that thing and i think yeah. that ultimately my heart just said you know f you and decided to uh, go arrhythmic whatever that means and it beats against itself creates a pool of blood in the bottom that, that makes clots and one of those clots attached to my left ventricle and decided to stroke me out so it's, wow. that's, that's so it, it changes you a little bit oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know because you're not the the wild crazy guy that some people might think of it especially from that show yeah because like you say you're a good family man and so forth i mean you, i well I, i'll be real honest here i wish i was a better father and and and, and weirdly i think most men feel that way yeah uh, even if you're hands-on because my children don't live with me and now they're you know one's in college and one uh, graduated high school and she's going to be a tattoo artist so i'm getting closer to my daughters but yeah i've never felt i was I certainly mm-hmm. wasn't the father that was portrayed on TV because, well, yeah. you, know, you know, and I mean, that's, but it's good, you know, but I am in my children's life, but I think that's just me being. Well, so, as so you're getting humble. better for recovering from yeah. the stroke, does that kind of go through your mind? Wow. I gotta, I gotta do this now because yeah. who knows? Well, yeah, exactly. You know, if, if my wife hadn't have gotten me to the emergency room, I wouldn't be here. So that, that kind of makes you 
it puts things in a different perspective. Absolutely. And I really just wanted to get back to normal. And, and weirdly enough, as soon as my doctor said I could have a drink or two, oh, that's all I needed. Now, I'm, you know, I'm done. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't need excess, which I used to do. I used to drink to excess because uh, – and I remember saying to my doctor when we, we were talking about you know, recovery because my recovery was almost miraculous. And I said, you know, all I – I just, he goes, you know, is there anything that you miss? And I said, alcohol, yeah. I go, I was really good at drinking. In a moment, you'll hear more from Dirk Verman, former star of Bad Ink and the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor. Time once again for your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. We've been talking to Scott recently about the perception that Vegas no longer has any good deals. Scott says it's also an issue of perception when you're discussing travel value. What's it going to take? I mean, are they going to have to have maybe different, uh, you know, you talk about leadership. Someone going to have to come in with a different way of looking at things, do you think? Well, I think part of it is uh, really going after the problems with the with the perception. So the other day on Twitter, I posted two uh, hotel bills. The total on both of the bills were exactly the same, exactly to the penny. On one bill, it said, here's your room rate. Here's taxes and fees. Here's your total. The other one had the rate of the room. It had the uh, resort fee. It had the tax on the resort fee. It had taxes. It has other fees. It had paid parking included. It was all this. It was the 20 itemized things. The totals were exactly the same, and it was easily half of what of the same hotel in Chicago what it would be. But it's the perception of you go into a restaurant and they charge you. 75 cents for ice water, that's your memory of Las Vegas. When you leave that casino and you've just dropped $500 and you're leaving and now they're going to ding you for $12 for parking your car, that's a perception problem. So I I think there's going to be a a point where kind of the overarching organization, the LVCVA, the the Las Vegas Visitor and Conventions Authority, there's some of the, I got some of those letters right. They're going to say, look, we, we have to do this overall for the town. We know your competitors, casinos. We know these restaurants are competing with each other, but we all have to get it together. And we have to work on that perception of value. Scott will be back again next week. Remember, check out VitalVegas.com every day. When it comes to Las Vegas, nobody knows it better than Scott over at VitalVegas.com. In a moment, you'll hear more from Dirk Verman former star of Bad Ink and the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Dirk Verman, former star of Bad Ink on A&E and the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor in Las Vegas. Well, apparently didn't, I mean, you're an artist. I mean, all you do is take a look at you, just your work is on yourself. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, I mean, that that never stopped that part of it, huh? Even when you were drinking. I remember you telling me this. One of the things that always stuck with me is like, there's going to be pain, but that's part of the deal. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. And it's important for people because people that want to go in there and they think it's cute, and then they go in there and it's like, no, it's serious. But plus, how do you talk to people in your job? You, you, your parlor is just great; everybody knows it. Do you try to tell people like, 
think this through. By that, I don't mean not do it. I mean think through this is what you're going to be wearing the rest of your life. Yeah, I, 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 there's, there's two schools of thought on that. Um, if I'm feeling noble, I will tell you this is a horrible idea. Actually, I'll tell you it's all a horrible idea. Because there's, <laughs> there's a joke in, in my circle where uh, if, you, if you get a tattoo from me, mm-hmm. I said, you know, uh, Dirk will tell Dirk what you want yeah. and then he'll tell you what you're going to get. And they're never the same thing. So I, I'm just I'm at, a, at a point with my career, especially because I won't do cover up anymore, or things like that, just because of the television show. Just really, it makes me feel like I'm working for A and A again. But actually, yeah. though, your cover ups were great. We, we talked a little uh, about the, it. I mean, the ones that were real were awesome. Yeah, <laughs> the ones that were fake, season one, uh, were were not. That was a punchline. Executive of New York Google. Hey, no regrets. That'll be funny. Let's uh, let's hire an actress and, and put no regrets on her with a sharpie and have Dirk pretend to cover it. Yes, that was my TV show. And so that, I didn't want that to ever be my legacy, so I became proactive in attacking the show because you're not going to tell me what my career is because they almost single-handedly destroyed my reputation. So that's, that's why I don't do cover-up anymore. Just yeah, so you had to make a decision. You had to kind of go to war with them, and you I had did. to be willing yeah. to take the risk. Yeah, and then now, and now, now it was lawyers. They, they did, I earned the, the title Hostile Talent. I earned it. And eventually those lawyers decided to uh, let them go. You know, let's uh, let's let this show end. And I'm like, thank you, because I in the middle of takes, you know, I get ready for a bleep. In the middle of takes, I'd, I'd end, you know, I'd end the the things, and it would, you know, like, hey, you need to say this, and I would say it, and then I'd look right in the camera, and I'd go, fuck you, New York. And uh, <laughs> then they would, they, that, all that footage would go back to New York, and I said, fire me already, fire me. I don't want to do this anymore. This is ridiculous. It's it, it's just, it, it was, it just. A soul-sucking exercise. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. And the money wasn't... I mean, it uh, got to the point was, where the money wasn't more... The, the, it, huh? the money. The money was embarrassing. <laughs> the money, ironically... Not even ironically. How about truthfully? Uh, the money was embarrassing. I, I made more money as a tattoo artist every day of my life than on television. Well, was the I idea to draw people to you? I mean, is that what you Well, the idea is if, if, you, if you play their game, yeah. eventually you'll become a producer or something worth more than just talent or hostile talent in my... Um, and then you get a financial thing. But they, A&E owns, owns Bad Ink. It's theirs. They own my image on Bad Ink, hence no fedora, you know, mm-hmm. which I, I don't want to promote that anyway. But they, it's, uh, they own all of it. I don't own any of it. So when, when the show reruns or they sell it to Netflix or Hulu or, or the, the entities that they sold it to, well, I, don't, I don't get a piece of that. I mean, you're you a know? true artist in the way uh, top singers are and the way top painters are, all yeah, this yeah. thing. How long did it take when you got on there and go, wow, this is not worth it. Uh, I'm selling out. Oh, it was uh, the first day of filming. You know? Really? Yeah. Because I mean, well, the two tattoos showed up that weren't there. And mm-hmm. I looked down, Pamela Anderson. I go, where's the tattoo? Because I saw the footage of the, of the actress. Didn't know she was an actress. I thought it was a, an audition for, to be on the show. No, she was an actress. And I go, where? And I, so I was talking to her and she goes, oh, I don't have that. No, they're just going to, the makeup department's going to put it on me. I go, What? Yeah, and then I looked at the producer and the director. I go, "What is this?" And then when the show aired, I did that. He goes, "Well, that's uh, this is just a pilot to sell to the network to see show what the show could be. This will never air. Yeah. And and in television, if you film it, they will air it. And I, <laughs> yeah. I learned that pretty quickly, you know. And so I re- and I didn't know what the first episode was going to be. I had two hundred people at Rera gathered there, big widescreen TVs. It was the premiere episode. Okay, this is it. This, is, this changes my life. You know, I'm, I'm this one day. You're, uh, the next day, you're famous and all that stuff. And that did happen, you know, sort of. But uh, I, I, all of a sudden, I saw 
myself, I go, oh my God, it's the Pamela Anderson girl. Oh, this is bad. And then HD, they zoomed right in on that tattoo. It was drawn on, not even with a Sharpie, with a pen. Oh, man. And I looked at it, because it was supposed to be, yeah. it wasn't supposed to be filmed. But the, the network said, you know, the footage was so good, and that was my daughter's birthday party. They really liked the storyline. They didn't care about the tattooing. And so, you know, because we were following Duck Dynasty, they, they liked the story. It, it, the tattooing almost had nothing to do with what they were trying to sell. And so, I, in 24 minutes, I saw my entire reputation destroyed. 25 years in the business, the next day. Wow, you, you, covering fake tattoos, how you feel about yourself. I, I was attacked online, uh, and no one, no one came to my defense, not A&E, yeah. not anyone. And, yeah. and so it was, I'm sitting there taking the weight of all of this. Oh, man. And, and I just, and I was, I was devastated. I remember sitting in my office the next day after the show aired, what have I done? I thought that was it. I thought this is the end of my career. This is the end of everything. Oh, but I'll be famous. I called up my producer at A&E, and I go, what, you, guys, you guys just, just destroyed my reputation. More with Dirk Verman, leader of the punk rock group Hostile Talent, as well as the former star of Bad Ink on A&E and the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor in just a moment. Time now for Luxury Living Vegas Style with Gady Madrano. Today, the topic is home inspections, always an important part with the selling of a property. Well, you know, and home inspections are a part of what always go on, and it always cracks me up where some people try to hide things but i know the good realtors you want to know everything that's out there right because it'll save you in the long run oh no the the goal for any real any good realtor is you you actually want to close and the way to do that is just to be open and honest and upfront these are the issues and actually with one home that i had it's very visible right when i walked in that it had water it it had stains on on the roof and i'm like what's going on with the roof and they're like, well, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, we need to get that fixed. And sure enough, so I was already getting estimates, but they're like, we still want to have an open house. Maybe they won't notice. I'm like, first of all, no, we still have to disclose it. So it will have to be addressed at some point, but okay, fine. So just to prove my theory, I had an open house. Quite literally everyone, with the exception of maybe two people, noticed that stain. So it has to be addressed. So that, that, that doesn't make any sense. And also you have to disclose it. But th- that may turn people off. Okay, well, what else is wrong with the house? So you don't even want to have anything like that. Something that, okay, if you have a, a, a leaky roof over here, how about on the other side? How, and now they're worried about it. So just have it cleaned up. You're going to have to do it anyway. Things like that are going to come out in the inspection. Like, there's no way around it. There's no way to dodge it. You might as well address it head on. But also, cosmetically, you have to talk to a realtor prior to doing definitely any big projects because it may not give you the return. And there may be a project you're looking at that'll make a huge difference and it doesn't really cost you anything. So you have to really be able to uh, to do that and a lot of times unfortunately homeowners don't know that because they're not selling hundreds of homes constantly they, they just kind of watch flipping vegas and watch hgtv and they kind of think that, but that's not the case you really do need expert advice you can hire gady to find a property in vegas or sell one if you wish you can reach her at gady g-a-d-y at gadyrealestate.com More with Dirk Verman, leader of the punk rock group Hostile Talent, as well as the former star of Bad Ink on A&E and the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor in just a moment. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the BizTalk Radio Network. I'm Xavier Mortimer, magician. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.
You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Today's show is brought to you in part by the Orleans Hotel and Casino, the best deal in Vegas. They have great rooms, incredible dining, and incredible price. Call them for reservations, or you can make them online. Just go to orleanscasino.com. You are listening to Dirk Vermin, the former star of Bad Ink on A&E, and the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor, as well as the leader of the punk rock group, Hostile Talent. Oh, no, Dirk, any publicity is good publicity, you know, and that kind of thing. So that, and that, and now yeah. this is the next two years of my life. And so in season two, all the tattoos were real. All the, all the stories were real. There was no actors, no anything. That's all I wanted. Right. But by then I was done. I just, I finished that, that season and I just said, please, please fire me. I don't want to be here. This is awful. And then it's been, here we are. This is five years ago. And, yeah. it, and they're still they're still selling the show to different entities, and it's aired all over the world. I went I went to Costa Rica; everyone knew me there. I went to Mexico; everyone knew me there, which sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps it helps with my bar tab. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I didn't. There's no financial gain to any of it um, because I I couldn't if it, you know I could sit in my shop and find a find some homeless guy with a Duck Dynasty beard who can stand next yeah. to me and point the tattoos. Anyone can do that and laugh um, and pretend that it was it was the show and charge 500 bucks a, an hour. Nah, I can't do it. No, yeah. and I like yeah. the idea because you go to your website, you go to your parlor. There isn't like, as, as you're seen in Bad Ink, you don't do any of that no, stuff. I don't, I don't promote them at all. In fact, in, in my, uh, there's, uh, I, I guess we're cussing today, sorry. There's, uh-huh. a, there's a sign in my shop that, that's, uh, and it, it's, it's really it's hand painted that I, I did, and it's really cool. There's there's an executive uh, who looks like the, a devil holding a money bag, flipping off you <laughs> with a big smile on his face. It looks real 1960s kind of art, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. art uh, not Art Deco, but the advertising, Mad uh, Men uh, yeah, yeah, type thing, kind of yeah. That, that. Yeah, exactly. And then it says, F- "Bad Ink, as seen on TV, 100 percent fake." <laughs> actually, it says F- A and E's Bad Ink. You know, I, I made it very specific. Uh, I actually got uh, a, a, a letter from a lawyer for that, and I just laughed. I wrote yeah. back, I go, this is my opinion. I can put whatever I want on my walls. Sue me. You know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the threats from A&E, they came immediately after the show when I, when I went kind of, like I said, proactive on, on all of this. So. But, you know, people that heard our first interview, they'd say they'd all of a sudden hear something like HGTV. Well, gee, this isn't real. And, like, on some of those things, they film it both different ways, so they find they decide what's sure, sure, better. Sure, sure, sure. And they're going, wow, Dirk was right. And I go, yeah, and you were, really, <laughs> you were kind of a pioneer. You were the first one to call him out. Because, yeah, uh, I was also the first one to get, you know, threatened right, to be packed. sued as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they when I tried to get out, it was 150. They were going to shoot me for 150 grand for breach of contract and nondisclosure and all that stuff. And the, and the book I'm working on, when that comes out, if I'm not sued, then I'm not doing my job because <laughs> right. I am telling the truth. You know, I probably shouldn't be telling all this now and let the book come out. But to be honest, by the time the book comes out, everyone's going to forget about the show anyway. So. No, wait, we'll, we'll, we'll have you again uh, on the show to talk about the book. Yeah, so yeah. we'll, we'll that, do that, this that'll again. Be next year. My priority next year is actually get a book done. And the book is not just uh, the TV show. Right. That's, that's literally one chapter in a 13-chapter book. So it's about a lot of things. You'll hear more from Dirk Vermin next week as we continue our conversation with this fascinating Las Vegas personality. You can learn more about Dirk at his website, DirkVermin.com. With all that energy, I bet you'd enjoy a cup of joe right now. 
When you visit Las Vegas, if you're in the downtown area, like everybody else, you probably want a great cup of coffee. But where? They're the typical places you can get anywhere in the United States. But when you come to Vegas, why do that? Found a great coffee stand in the D Hotel. And uh, with us is the guy that is responsible for all this, uh, Steve Mangigian. And Steve is with us. He's got a coffee company that works right out of the... Um, the D. So tell us, first of all, it's only available in the morning. Is that correct? That is correct, Steve. Uh, we're open from 6 a.m. till 1 p.m. Yeah, and that's a, it's a great time. And, of course, everybody's looking for coffee. But one of the things you do, and you, there's a lot of different things you do there, but the first and most important part is the coffee's better. Why is that? Yeah, so uh, the thing that's really cool about what we do, different than most other folks, is uh, threefold. We like to call it source, roast, and brew. When we source coffee, we're sourcing coffee from some of the finest estates in the world. It first helps to understand that coffee is grown along the equator between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn. So any landmass that falls along that band is considered a coffee growing region. So one of the things is I myself, I go down there. As a matter of fact, in a few weeks, I'll be going down to Costa Rica to visit a producer that we work very closely with and that we have a great relationship with and that we source their coffee. Uh, and so uh, how we source the coffee is one thing that differentiates us from other folks. Uh, secondly is how we roast the coffee. Many companies roast the coffee just to one profile. And it's usually dark, okay? Uh, for us, we try to roast the coffee to bring out the individual characteristics of that coffee based on where it's grown. Typically, African coffees are fruitier, so you know we're gonna wanna roast that coffee to bring out those fruity notes in, in an African coffee. Uh, you know, Central American, maybe a little bit more acidic, so we might wanna roast those maybe on the lighter side. Indonesian coffees, uh, darker to bring out their body and their earthy notes. So the whole idea is to roast the coffee to the terroir, bring out the individual characteristics of that coffee. Then lastly is, of course, you can source a great coffee, you can roast Roast a great coffee, but then if you screw up the brewing, you know, one of the things is that coffee is not a finished product. You, the consumer or the cafe, has to finish it off, either in the form of an espresso-based drink or, you know, a, a brewed coffee, drip coffee. So it helps to have good brewing practices to bring out the best of all the sourcing and the roasting. So to me, what differentiates us is the leveraging of all three of those things. Sourcing, roasting, and brewing is what gets us to that great cup of coffee. And what I think is cool is I know a lot of the coffee, big, bigger coffee chains, you're right, it always, you can almost taste it when you think about it. They all taste the same and so forth. This sounds like it gives people an opportunity uh, at a much uh, lower price rate to kind of do like what some people can do with fine wines. You can go in there, maybe talk to your baristas and find out what would work for them and really have an experience. I'm really glad that you said that. You know, so one thing uh, most people confuse, and this is really what we're trying to do with coffee. We're trying to elevate coffee to a level that two average people can just have a conversation. Uh, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask the questions now. Uh, do you drink wine? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. So when you drink wine, do you have a preference of white over red? Absolutely. I only drink red. Okay. And when you drink a red wine, what do you drink? <laughs> well, it depends. But, uh, you know, and there's kind of a price point. I mean, at some point, you know, like I say, with wines, you, you can spend hundreds of dollars. Sure but with coffee, and that's what's kind of fun We're about it. spend hundreds of dollars here. <laughs> but the point here is, is that within a minute 
I was able to narrow down your preferences. Right. And that's really what we're trying to do with coffee. We're trying to raise and elevate the overall dialogue around coffee so that people can actually have a preference. Not what it, it shouldn't be the idea of us giving you this, it should be the idea of you exploring and figuring out what it is that you like. And our job as a coffee company or as baristas is to give you choice. And then it's up to you to figure out what you like. More with Steve Mangigian, the man behind Zingerman's Coffee at the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas in just a few moments. Time now for statistician, actuary, and expert in gaming odds and probabilities, Michael Shackelford, also known as the Wizard of Odds. Craps might be the most fun game out there. Is there a lot people have to know about that before they get into it, or is it easier than some people make it out to be? No, craps, on the other hand, is really easy to get very good odds in without doing a lot of homework like you have to do with video poker. And craps, my advice is real simple. Stick to the line bets, meaning pass, don't pass, come and don't come, and make the maximum odds bet that you're comfortable making. And that's it. And absolutely stay away from all the sucker bets in the middle of the table. No hard ways. No yo, no craps, no hop bets, none of that stuff. Just line bets and odds, and you will have a house advantage of under a half a, per- half a percent, depending upon how much odds you back it up with. The Wizard will be back again next week. I'm here with Neil Portnoy at the fantastic Portnoy Gallery in Las Vegas. What do you got going on here, Neil? Uh, it seems like everybody from the world of sports, entertainment, incredible pictures in a, in a style that I've never seen before. Well, Steve, you know, um, thanks for showing up at the gallery again because I think it's your second visit here. But there's always something going on here. You know what? I do a lot of commission work, clients all over the country. I work from photographs, whether it's your pet. Your, your, your children, your, your spouses, your favorite sports athlete, entertainer, you give me a good quality photo, and this is what I turn it into, a work of art. And your website is? Very simple, www.idrawpeople.com. Will do it. Thank you very much, Neil. More with Steve Mangigian, the man behind Zingerman's Coffee at the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas, in just a few moments. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to the man behind Zingerman's Coffee at the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas, Steve Mangigi. So let's take this one step further then. You know, we talked about the comparisons with wine and so forth, and you're going all over the world. Are there, like, good years and bad years the same way there's in wine? And and where are the hot spots for uh, ground these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, So, you know, first of all, let's talk about this. We we talked a little bit about wine. Wine has about, uh, here's some anecdotes. Wine has about 800 identifiable flavor characteristics to it, okay? Uh, coffee has between 17 and 1900 identifiable flavor characteristics, right? So this whole idea, coffee is far more complex 
than wine. Right out of the gate, people don't realize it. They simply associate coffee with the stimulative effects that it has, right? So it's like, but this this whole world of coffee now opens up when you realize this this point. So, uh, you know, this uh, this this whole scene just really blasts open, and uh, every coffee that's grown. Uh, has different characteristics to it. Uh, I'm going to use Costa Rica as an example. Uh, the region that I work with uh, in the farm that I work with, the producer that I work with in Costa Rica, it's a it's a region called uh, Naranjo, and in Naranjo, uh, some of the best coffees grown in Costa Rica have grown in this area of Costa Rica. And so uh, it's discovering these really great spots and then figuring out, you know, okay, what's our next move? And, you know, let's get down there. Let's taste the coffees. Let's work with the producer. Let's find out ways that we can, you know, process the coffee better, sort the coffee better, so that at the end of the day, when that coffee gets up to into, into the states where we roast it, it'll be the best cup of coffee that it can possibly be. So Costa Rica would be a great example of a hot area where really great coffees are coming from. It's outstanding. I want to tell people how they can get this. Now, first of all, before we even get into that coffee, though, you also were kind enough to bring these really incredible candy bars here. Interesting stuff. Tell us uh, what got you into this. Are you as passionate about candy as you are about coffee? You know, I think it's important to uh, to say, you know, what Zingerman's is about. So Zingerman's started as a delicatessen in 1982, okay? So that's really how we got our name to be known. Uh, if you fast forward now 35 years, Zingerman's is not just this delicatessen that was founded on great principles, but we are now a community of 10 separately owned businesses for which candy is one of those separately owned businesses. All of our businesses have managing partners that are very passionate about their craft. Of course, I'm the owner of the coffee company. Ironically, I just happen to have uh, an equity stake in the candy company as well. However, uh, you know, candy just happens to be a great combination with coffee. So they go along really well together. So, you know, I bring this to you as a as a token of my appreciation. And there's also just an opportunity for you to be able to taste some really great handmade candy that you just aren't going to find anywhere else in the country. It happens. We don't sell it at the coffee stand uh, at the D, but we do sell it. It is sold in the gift shop at the D. So although, uh, you know, you won't be able to find it right there in the stand, you will be able to find it in the gift shop. But yeah, I'm passionate about all of our businesses within our organization, not just because of our passion towards full flavored, traditionally made foods, but it's also the way in which we approach our business. Uh, we're a triple bottom line company. We which means we don't measure success on one bottom line, which most of us assess as, you know, just really being uh, great finance. We, we, we measure success on three bottom lines, great food, great service, and great finance. So all three of those metrics have to be operating in harmony with one another in order for us to consider that to be successful. Uh, we also practice open book management, uh, which is uh, something that's happening more and more in businesses today, and we've been doing this for years and years. So. It's not just the food that we go after, but it's also the principles by which we operate our business, which is just as important as the food. 
Well, again, just listening to you is going to get people excited about not only the coffee and the candy. And I think it's interesting that you picked the D to go to because this place has brought a lot of energy into downtown. Was that sort of a thing as you were looking to come here? So, you know, Derek Stevens is just an innovator, right? I mean, uh, you know, he, he just, if he sees an obstacle, he finds a way to innovate around it so that, you know, he can bring a much better experience to those that want to visit Las Vegas, Fremont Street, you know, this whole area. It's, it's just, uh, uh, it's just bustling more and more. Uh, the quick story is, is that Derek reached out to my business partner, Paul Saginaw, uh, Paul is one of the founding partners of our organization, the Zingerman's Delicatessen, and he knew Paul to be a person. He didn't know Paul, but he knew Paul was very well known and knew food very well. And Derek knew that he wanted to bring a really cool food and beverage experience to downtown Las Vegas. All right. So he tapped Paul and said, hey, you know, do you think you could help us out here? And Paul said, sure. So Paul put a few of the partners in our organization together. We flew down here. We did a brainstorming session for like a day and a half, two days. And we talked about ways in which we could make the food and beverage experience here in downtown Las Vegas even better. Uh, We concluded at the end of those meetings that one of the first ways that we should start working together is with this whole coffee thing. So the coffee stand is the first step along the lines of working more together to deliver just a much better food and beverage experience here in downtown Las Vegas. Well, it's exciting. So first, people, if they want to find out more about Zingerman's, where can we go online to find out even before we come out here? Yeah, for sure. Just go to uh, our website, www.zingermans.com. Uh, that'll direct you immediately to our mail order site, but it'll also give you a whole navigational toolbar to look at all of the other businesses that Zingerman's is representative of. So zingermans.com is the first place to go, and you go from there. And when we're here in Las Vegas, we go to the D. Just a reminder, tell them where they can find it, you know, because if they're looking for it, you give, give them a little roadmap here. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the, the stand is only set up for seven hours out of the day. So the rest of the day, it's it's sitting in a storage area, and uh, but the but the stand is located in the hotel lobby area near the elevator banks. So if you're looking for a great cup of coffee, just head that way, and you'll be sure to find it. If you're there between the hours of six and one, we will. We'll wake up with your coffee. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate the time. We hope you're enjoying our new segment, The Vegas Good Life, which is also available as a podcast on our website, VegasNeverSleeps.com. When you talk about the good old days in Las Vegas, Nevada, you're talking about when hotel rates were really reasonable and your money went a long way. You can have that now at the Orleans Hotel, and it's a great place for families. You know, they've got a movie theater, bowling alleys, an arcade, great pool, all that plus lower resort fees than most and free parking, almost unheard of these days. Find out more and make a reservation. Go to OrleansCasino.com. That's OrleansCasino.com. Next week, you'll hear part two of our conversation with tattoo artist and the former star of the reality show Bad Ink, Dirk Furman. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on all the social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Have a great weekend. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Vegas, here we go!